We're going to be talking about in this Greater Than series, we're going to be talking about community is greater than self. And there was a part of me today that thought, well, I don't need to tell Crosswalk that. They know that community is greater than self. I mean, they are a wonderful example of Christian community. But just in case you've forgotten some of the key principles of Christian community, I believe I'm going to preach anyway. Now, one of the most basic principles of the church is Christian community. It is this understanding that, Chris, that, that community is greater than self. That is so basic to who we are. The church was never meant to be a collection of individuals. The church is a sacred community of uh, believers who understand the principles in the teachings and the ministry of Jesus that move us beyond a self-centeredness to a God and other-centeredness where we find our true self. Now, one of the most unselfish actions that we as Christians do is when we give of our time and we give of our money and, and we realize so vividly this time of year when we start talking about this season of giving that what we could give as a, an individual or a family is just a piece of, of what collectively, when, when we put that money and that time and effort into community, how it doesn't just add up, it multiplies. And so this morning, what I want to talk about is this this principle of community, and I want to start in the wisdom literature, and we're going to work ourselves to the very words of Jesus, but I want us to understand from Ecclesiastes, the fourth chapter, what is truly meant there when the wisdom writer says that two are better than one. So let's uh, turn in our Bibles or turn our attention to the screens if we have it there to Ecclesiastes, the fourth chapter. We're going to begin reading with the ninth verse. So I'm going to read this to you. There it is on the screen. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. I love to do that. We honor God's Word when we stand. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up the other. But woe to one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You know, the principle of Christian community, I'm going to qualify community because we have different aspects of community. You know, you have civic uh, expressions of community. You have other different kinds, organizations, expression of community. But what we're talking about today is Christian community and the principles that drive Christian community. And when you look in the New Testament, you have this strange word of saints. 
And in 99 times in the New Testament, there is this word saints. It is never singular. It is always plural. Nowhere in the New Testament, or in the Old Testament for that matter, do you find the word saint. It's always saints in this cloud of witnesses. It's, it's always plural. Saints is a statement of community. I read someone said, a saint ain't. Saints come in community. Now I want to say two things this morning as I'm beginning this message. This is what I really want you to hear this morning in its most simple stated way. Everybody needs somebody. Do you believe that? And somebody is needed by everybody. Do you believe that? You know, if we really let that sink in, that, that everybody needs somebody and that, that somebody, you and, and I, we're needed by everybody, then we understand in essence what we're called to be about in community. The world desperately needs a brand of community. That is driven by values and principles, the teaching, the wisdom of Christ, the underscoring wisdom of uh, the Old Testament and all that that is about. It's all directing us toward this sacred community. You know, tragically, I think that we have all noted that in these shootings that we've been experiencing for the last several years, when a shooter goes into a school or a church or a concert or... <clears throat> wherever they're going to indiscriminately shoot and kill people, that universally these people have become loners. And in most cases, psychologically very unbalanced because they've become so self-centered and self-self-oriented that they can't see the humanity in another to the point that they'll go in and just kill people without even a, a second thought. The world needs our understanding of community. Because in Christian community, there, there's not only power and it is not only empowering, but there's also healing and there's also health that we experience in Christian community. You know, I want to raise a few principles this morning about our brand of Christian community. And that is that Christian community, first of all, we uplift a principle called the one another principle. It is true what is um, expressed in the wisdom literature that, that two can reach more than one, that two can do more than one, that two can make more than one, that two can return more than one. And the fact of the matter is that every one of us in church pulling together can do so much more than we can do individually on our own by ourselves. When you think about the needs that we as human beings have, they're so very basic in essence. We, we all need companionship. We are created for, um, for fellowship, for companionship. But one can, can really not be a companion of self. Now, some of us enjoy our alone time, don't we? Are you out there saying, I enjoy my alone time? I mean, I kind of like myself and myself alone. But we know we don't want to stay there all the time, do we? I mean, we, we, we're better selves when we're out of ourselves and when we're with others in companionship. This isn't a statement against people who like to be alone from time to time or people who 
like singleness. It's not a statement about that. It's a statement of fact that we also are people who need comfort. And it's really hard to comfort yourself all the time. You get tired of yourself when you're just comforting yourself, right? And, and, and we also need counsel. We're not smart enough to know everything. You know, we may be um, narcissistic enough to think we know everything, but, but, you know, you need to get some counseling if that's where you are. And it's really hard to do good counseling on yourself. Really? Right? I mean, what does that mean? Counsel myself. So the whole principle of togetherness, of having others that you can lean on, that you can call on, that you can depend on, who will be there for you, goes throughout the Bible. The wisdom literature, the New Testament, and in the New Testament particularly, dozens and dozens and dozens of times you have this phrase, one another. I'll just give you some examples. In John, the 13th chapter, the 34th verse, we are to love one another. In Romans 15, 7, we are to receive one another. In Romans 15, 4, we are to admonish one another. In Galatians 5, 13, we are to serve one another. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter and the fifth chapter, we are to be kind to one another. We are to submit to one another. In 1 Thessalonians, the fourth and the fifth chapter, we are to comfort one another. We are to edify one another. In Hebrews, the third chapter, the 13th verse, we are to exhort one another. In James, the fifth chapter, the 16th verse, we are to pray for one another. In 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, the eighth verse, we are to be hospitable to one another. Keep, keep your seats. I only have 45 more. We, not really. There are 45 more. It's throughout the New Testament. This one another principle that is so important for us to embrace that we are called not to be <clears throat> so centered on ourselves that we don't see in the importance of our Christian understanding that we are here for others and others are here for us. And that's what makes community community. We've bought into a principle called the one another principle. You, you know, the best example that, that I think I see of this is it's when we get together for Feed My Starving Children. Now, now, most of you in the room have probably participated in Feed My Starving Children. I remember when I first participated. It's been many years ago now. But Ron and Pam Carey, they had been to a Feed My Starving Children event. They were so excited. There was one being held in Carrollton at First Methodist Carrollton. They said, we've got to participate. So we've said that so many of us would participate. So we got that so many of us. And we went up to Carrollton and thinking... This is going to be fun. We're going to get together and we're going to um, meet some new people. We're going to pack these food rations. These food rations are going to be sent to starving children. Sounds like a good way to spend a Sunday afternoon. What we discovered was more than that, I think. And the next year it came here to, to, to Lover's Lane. And then, then before you know it, we had hundreds of people involved in Feed My Starving Children. And we do so every year. And we became so involved in funding Feed My Starving Children and the generosity from this congregation that we have a distribution center now right here in Dallas, a big one. And Lover's Lane's been so much a part of that. 
I mean, how many of you have done a Feed My Starving Children out there? Okay, lots of you. Well, for those of you who hadn't, let me explain what it is. It's a packing community event, two days most of the time. And, and you come together and, and, and you, you, you put um, a little bit of rice and a little bit of soy and a little bit of vegetables and a little bit of vitamins into a bag, and that bag is shipped and it feeds some kid somewhere who's starving. But it is an amazing thing when you come together with a packing community and there are about four or five hundred people in a gymnasium and you're all around these tables of smaller community and there's somebody who's scooping the rice and somebody who's scooping the vegetables and somebody the soy and somebody the vitamins. And then there's somebody, this was my job, you weigh it and you hand it to the person who's going to seal it. They hold it for somebody who actually does seal it. You hand it to another person who counts it and boxes it. And then somebody comes and picks up the boxes. And somebody brings the supplies when you start running low. And you're just doing this and doing this. And when you're finished after two days, you've packed a million meals. You think about that. And it's fun, I think. But we're not there because it's fun. And it's a good feeling to be with others, but, but, but we're not really there just for a good feeling. When you stop and think about it, that you have been in Christian community with some people you don't even know, and what you've done is actually going to save somebody somewhere, literally save them from starvation. And how many... How many of us get to save somebody, literally, by our actions? And you can't really say that you did it. I mean, you did it in community. Because you're so driven by what is one another ministry, the essence of what Christian community is all about. Now, I want to lift up another principle that I think this scripture lifts up. And, and I've called it the I have your back principle. You, you know, it feels good when somebody says, I have your back, Don't, doesn't it? Usually when I hear that, I really need to hear it. Do you? And the person who says, I have your back, they know I need to hear it. In verse 10 of Ecclesiastes 4, it says, For if they fall, one will lift up his or her companion. But woe to the one who falls alone, for that one has no one to help him or her up. You know, this wisdom comes out of experiences that everyone could relate to in that day and age. I mean, there was no paved streets in Palestine. I mean, they had more potholes than Dallas. That's a lot. And, and when you're walking along in sandals and the, the, the pavement's uneven and it's, there's potholes and there's ditches and there's, you, you know, you, you find yourself, uh, probably everyone has, had had the experience of falling. And, and when you're with somebody else or others and, and they help you up, you, you know what a benefit that is. That's practical, Right? How many of us have been on a rocky road? I'm not talking about a Dallas road. And I'm not necessarily talking about walking. 
but you've been on a rocky road and you've needed a pickup. You've needed somebody to say, I have your back. Somebody to lift you out of that experience that you're having that's, that's so defeating. That's what Christian community is about. We're about seeing that in another and knowing that we've needed it ourselves. And knowing in Christian community that you never fall alone. You're never on that rocky road alone. That there's always those who are there who care. There's no Swedish proverb that says a shared joy is a double joy. A shared sorrow is half a sorrow. I love baseball. And, and I, I love the story that you've probably heard about Jackie Robinson. You know, Jackie was the first African American to play in the major leagues. Now, in a time, in an era when racism was just the order of the day. And there were so many people across the country who resented the fact that you had an African-American man playing baseball with white people. Can you imagine that? Maybe you can. We, we get hints of that kind of racism and even today. But Jackie Robinson tells a story about how he would go into the stadiums across this country and he would literally be booed because of the color of his skin. Booed. And even in his home stadium, the crowds were very skeptical of him and his ability. He tells about making an error one, one, one time in, in, in Brooklyn in his home stadium, and the stadium erupted in booze that just wouldn't quit. It was just, it was a boneheaded era, he said of himself, but it was just boo after boo. It was more than just booing a bad play. It was booing him. In the shortstop, Pee Wee Reese, he, he goes over where Jackie is standing with his head down, dejected, and Pee Wee Reese stands right beside him. Puts his arm around him. And then he starts eyeing the crowd. And the crowd started getting quieter. And quieter. And, and quieter. And then play resumed. And Jackie Robinson said. That single act. By Pee Wee. Saved my career. Now, now friends, Pee Wee Reese did a great thing that day. And, and it changed minds, perhaps. It surely changed Jackie's life. But friends, here at Lover's Lane, we have that, that understanding in our Christian community that when we are standing beside one another, when we're standing beside people of different races, that different races are standing together, different cultures are coming together, we're standing together and in essence we're saying, I, I have your back. And when people part of the LGBTQ community, when they are here and we're standing beside one another, and I'm not just talking about um, 
one-sided here. I'm talking about both sides, standing together, saying together, we have your back. We have people who walk across the street from dealing with addictions and they're here in this community and it's scary. It's not like that 12-step group that they just left the safety of. And, and somebody stands beside you and, and says, I have your back. We're, we're making a statement not only to each other, but we're making a statement to the world, to the crowd. We're I in the crowd. And we're saying we're We're called. To have one another's back, no matter what. The, the final principle I'd like to uplift is, is this notion of a threefold cord is not quickly broken. In other words, the principle is the two or more principle. We know that the wisdom of that writer was that, of course, you know the practical experience. You can break a single cord. Two cords together are harder to break, but you can break them. But a threefold cord is not easily broken. Now, friends, I think this particular passage has been misused by us often. Sometimes we say, Oh, what a beautiful description of the Holy Trinity. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's what the writer of the Book of Wisdom was telling us. He didn't even have a clue about that. He wasn't talking about God. He was talking about humanity. Human beings. Now, if you want to use the threefold cord to illustrate the Holy Spirit, that's fine. Go ahead and do it, but don't... Don't tell, tell us that this person was doing that who wrote Ecclesiastes. He wasn't. He was talking about human relationships. Now many of us who are pastors, we have perhaps performed a wedding and we have used um, Ecclesiastes 4 in saying that this person and this person, um, they're strong together, but you have God involved in that marriage and you've got a marriage that can't be broken. You know the only problem with that? And I've, been, I've preached a sermon at a wedding about uh, the threefold cord. And maybe you've heard one or two or three or four. And, and the only problem with that is these cords are not equal if God's involved, right? When you say a threefold cord, you're talking about three equal cords, right? Well, when God's in the midst of that, that's, that's not the same. Jesus said, where two or more, that'd be three, right? Or four or five or six. Where two or more are gathered, there I am also. Now that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit won't minister to us individually. I'm not saying that. That is saying that there is power in Christian community beyond a partnership. Beyond two, where two or more are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. And so we need to hear that what Jesus is embracing is in keeping with the wisdom of the author. That, that, that 
two or more just keeps getting stronger when the Holy Spirit is involved in empowering that relationship, that community. There are people here today from First United Methodist Church in Paris, Texas. They may be in the room. I don't know, I can't see. Yes. Let me tell you about this church. I love this church. I've been loving this church for several years now. They had a capital campaign a few years ago. Rob Spencer is their pastor. He's a good friend of mine. And he told me about this capital campaign. And it was a sizable amount of money they were raising for their church. And they had some things they needed to do with the church. And that was all good. And he said, but you know, we're going to also raise some money for the community. The larger community. We're going to dedicate some of our valuable downtown parking to form a a park that will be used by the community. It won't be just the churches. It'll be the community's park. And, and, and can you believe it? I mean, they had needs of their own. And, you know, money doesn't grow on trees in Paris any more than it grows on trees in Dallas. And they were going to allot a, a sizable amount of money to build something for others. And it became contagious. Banks started saying, well, we'll get involved in that. Businesses started saying, we'll get involved in that. And before long, this amount of money they were going to raise was a lot bigger, and they built a bigger park. It's a water park, too. I mean, not a humongous water park with slides and all of that, but you can walk through and get wet and stuff like that. And it was, it's fun. The day I went there, there were kids playing in that park. They weren't all white kids. They were all different kinds of kids playing in that park. And I, and I thought to myself, now there's a church that's thinking uh, in community beyond their community and they're leading the larger community of Paris by the examples of Christian community and the principles that we're driven by. And 65 of them are, were here in Dallas yesterday and are here on our campus today in different worship services and, and, and a few years ago, they got involved in a ministry called One-on-One that the bishop was promoting for the conference, and it was a pretty straightforward plan. You had one mentor who would be with one high-risk child, and you'd tutor that child in school, and you, you know, you'd hopefully do some good. And they got involved in that, and several of their members got involved in that, and what they discovered was that 40% of the children in Paris, Texas, live in poverty. When the Christian church becomes aware of needs like that and we're driven by this one another and this have I have your back kind of principle, how can you let it alone? And they started talking to Larry James down at City Square. And they started talking about how we here in Paris, in Lamar County, how we can do some things that can address poverty here. We can lift people, help lift people out of poverty by giving them opportunities and, and housing. Now it's being talked housing and clothing and jobs. And they're dreaming. It's become contagious again. They've decided, well, we're not going to just do this us, but we're going to involve community leaders with our leaders, and we're going to do this together. You know, it's amazing what happens when you don't 
concern yourself for who gets the credit, right? But I can tell you that community gives credit where credit's due. They see how God is working in Christian community through principles that these Methodists in Paris believe in and are living out. It's changing their community. Friends, we're called, you and I, not just to call, come and be part of Lover's Lane United Methodist Church and the crosswalk community and have a good worship experience and pack a meal ration or two every once in a while and get up and go back home and come back next Sunday and have a good time again. We're called to leave this place and bring what we find back to community when we find needs of others, when we find those that are in need of one another ministry and in need of I've got your back ministry and, and, and we know that two or more than one are greater than one and, and where two or more are gathered there the Holy Spirit is and we say we got to do something about this. we got to do something about racism. We've got to do something about all of the kinds of bigotry that go on in this community. We've got to do something about this divide that we sense between races and cops. We can love cops. Scott did a good job with this this morning. We can love cops and our police force. and We can also acknowledge that we've got problems when, when, when our systems see people of color in different ways. Those are not exclusive. They don't have to cancel out the other. We are called not to just come here and together as community to take care of ourselves. We're called to come here and be empowered and to be driven to buy one another ministry, buy I've got your back through the power of the Holy Spirit who will not let us just focus on self but calls us to a community that transforms community. They're watching the crowds. We need to eye them down because we know what's right, what's good, what's wise, and what's healthy. We know what changes lives. Let's don't be quiet about it.